today. I'm going to talk about us being ambassadors for Christ in a season when we should be taking every opportunity to. I'm going to talk a little bit about St. Nick this morning. Not our St. Nick that is here with us in service today, but the real St. Nick. Um, because I want to bring to mind some things. I, I actually preached something like this message a few years back. And, um, and I want to bring some of the points out and kind of uh, bring some other points to bear on it as well. I want to basically um, remind you of some things. Okay, So I want to look at two passages mostly today, both out of the New Testament, both from the pen of Paul the Apostle. I'm, I'm anxious to get back to the book of Genesis. There's a lot in Genesis. I'm like halfway through it, as Caleb mockingly said a few weeks ago. Yeah, It's a big book when you're going one chapter at a time. But, but I really want to take today to equip and encourage you to, to kind of leverage this upcoming Christmas season, if you will, the, the Christmas festivities, the trappings that surround this time of year, I want to encourage you to leverage that for the kingdom of God. I really felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do this morning, and so that's, that's where we're going. Um, remember, uh, remember when Paul was writing his second letter to Timothy? He instructs Timothy, and one of the things that he says to Timothy is he says, Remind them of these things continually or constantly. There's why y'all why y'all why y'all looking at me so funny, man. I'm starting to make me a little worried. Something weird behind me or something hanging on my nose. But um, Paul says to Timothy, remind them of these things constantly, or some some um, translations say of continually. And he, he kept, tells them some very basic things. Remind them of these things constantly or continually. Well, why, why are you telling Timothy, who, remember, was an elder, he was a pastor, why are you telling Timothy to remind the people of these basic things? Well, because the truth is, as much as we don't want to admit it, sometimes we are forgetful hearers. Do you know that? Sometimes we, we can know something really, really well. We can have a... Kind of, if you will, a breakthrough knowledge of God. We, we can have times where we're spending time in the Word, and, and it's a passage we've read a hundred times before. And yet that day, you're reading through it, and the Lord just opens your eyes. He illuminates something to your heart. You, you have never seen that. You've read that passage a hundred times before, and yet somehow you never saw this thing. And now you see it, and it's so transformative in your walk. And, and man, you just think, this, this is I'll never forget this. This has just changed my life forever. But you know what happens? As the years go by, you, you dig into the Word and you find other things. And a few years later, you're just not thinking of that again. It's not that you've necessarily forgotten it. It's just not on the forefront of your mind. So there are things that we need to be reminded of continually. Because it's easy for us to kind of forget them. Not in the sense that we don't know them anymore, but in the sense that we're not keeping it in the forefront of our mind. And it's therefore easy for it not to change the way that we live. It's easy for us to get into patterns and habits of life that are really not what we want them to be. Not because we don't know better, but because we're not keeping whatever it is in the forefront of our mind. And I have a few of those today. I have two of those that I want to encourage you with today, mostly. I want to bring them back 
to your memory. That's what it means to remind. I'm going to bring it back to your mind again. I'm going to ask you to keep this in the forefront of your mind. Let this be your thought over this season. Let this be the dominant thought. And that's this. You're an ambassador for Christ. Let that be the thought. As you're going into the... It's really easy in the Christmas time, the Christmas season, when everybody's having these little gatherings and you're, you're seeing people that normally you might not see. It's really easy to kind of, in my mind at least, I get into my kind of my own little world where I'm thinking, so-and-so will be there, and gosh, last time I saw them, you know, we had this little debate, I need to make sure that we're okay and smooth this over, and oh, hey, I haven't seen that guy, I need to make sure I take time to go see so-and-so and, you know, make all the stops and all the rounds, instead of thinking, <clears throat> these people that I know don't know the Lord are going to be here. They're family members of mine. They're people that I love, that I grew up with. And I need to find a way. I need to find an opening in our conversation where I can share the gospel with them. And and let me tell you something. Kind of getting ahead of myself in the message here. But you're not going to be able to find a way in a conversation. You're going to have to make a way. Okay? Let Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you have someone that's not born again... Christ is not the forefront of their mind. And because he's not, or I should say this, honoring Christ is not the forefront of their mind. And because of that, they're not going to just bring that up normally in conversation. You're going to have to be the one that's active. You're going to have to be the one that's looking for a way to segue into the gospel. You might have to be kind of creative. You might have to just be a little bit awkward. Forgive me, by the way, I've, I've not had a voice for about a week, and I'm trying to keep a voice for at least through this next few minutes, 40 minutes. But you're the one that's going to have to take the initiative on that. Now, here's the great thing. You're living in, you're living through a time and a season where it's very culturally acceptable to kind of do Christian things for a few weeks. Someone that would never... They would not dare darken the doors of the church. They'll come to Christmas with you, right? Come to Christmas service with you. Sometimes they'll do that for Easter or something like that. Okay, well then, let me just throw this out there. Then why would you not take advantage of that? Now, I know you can get a lot of, we can get a lot of reformed feathers ruffled here in reformed dumb. And that's sometimes what it is, reformed dumb. Because, well, it's Christmas, by golly. There's no place in the Bible that says you should celebrate Christmas. This is against the regulative principle. Well, I don't think a Christmas um, festivity is against the regulative principle unless it were to, like, if you're, I guess if you shut down church for it, that would be not good, obviously. But there are a lot of things that you do that the scriptures do not specifically tell you to do. You probably have birthday parties. Tell me where that came from in the scriptures. By the way, Jesus celebrated things that were not commanded in the scriptures. The festival of lights, Hanukkah, that did not come from the Old Testament. What was that a celebration of? Second cleansing of the temple. It was intertestamental period. It wasn't even in the Old Testament. Jesus went up to Jerusalem to celebrate that. So, okay, you can make the That's beside the point. The point is this. Whether you like Christmas, whether you don't like Christmas, this is a season where you have opportunities that you don't normally have. 
And you can sit there like a bump on a log, and you can, you know, be a Grinch and say, bah humbug, and people shouldn't be doing this, and you can miss opportunities of sharing the gospel. You can mismanage your ministry. That's what I'm, I'm telling you today. I do not want you to mismanage your ministry, okay? And here's what I mean by that. You have been given a ministry. Whether you're a, a pastor or an elder or a deacon, it doesn't matter. You have been given a ministry. The scripture says you've been not just given, you've been entrusted with the ministry. And not only have you been entrusted with it, you've been commissioned. Listen to me when I say this. You don't need a calling when you have a commission. You, if you are born again today, if you know Christ today, you have been given not just a calling, but a commission. You've been entrusted with a ministry. And that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Your job is to go to people who don't know Christ and to say, be reconciled to God. Your ministry is to take Christ's word and get it to those who are in rebellion to him. Knowing that he's going to work through that. Is every one of them going to accept the gospel? Is every one of them going to be saved? No. But through that, through your efforts, it's incredible that the God, the, 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 the God of all heaven, who absolutely does not need us or anything we can do for him, is still pleased to utilize us in his ministry. That's incredible. We so take that for I take that for granted. I'm sure you do at times as well. That's incredible. We shouldn't take that for granted. That should be the, the dominant thought that we have. Here we've got this kind of divine <clears throat> intervention, if you will, in our culture. For two weeks a year, much of the heathen, God-hating culture, not all of it, obviously, much of the heathen, God-hating culture gets overshadowed by the traditions of Christmas. And listen, I'm not saying the traditions of Christmas are somehow divine. I am saying that you are given this golden opportunity that only comes around once a year. So then take it. It's your time. Okay, We should be gospel-sharing machines. Do you know in some countries this is the time of year, Christmas is the time of year, where there is the most evangelism? Because there are places where Christianity is very much persecuted, and yet you get a bit of a free pass at Christmas time. There are Muslim countries where Christians will go down to the city park and sing Christmas carols and old hymns, and they'll give them a pass because it's Christmas time, and Jesus Christ was a figure that Muhammad talked about. If they did that in June, they lose their head. A lot of people in Iran... Iraq, Afghanistan, hear about Jesus Christ because of Christmas. And you're going to sit there and tell me how terrible it is. Okay. Well, you go ahead and do that. Be the bah humbug. That's fine. But I am going to try to take that time, to take that opportunity to be a minister, a witness, an ambassador for Christ. My, my dad had a saying, you've got to make hay while the sun is shining. Right? That was kind of his, thing, his way of telling us when we were doing whatever work we were doing, whether that's summertime, fall. A lot of time it was, you know, you're doing all this stuff in the fall to get ready for winter. And he's like, son, we got to make hay while the sun's shining. And of course, I'm thinking, like, like, we already got the hay made, you know. Like, 
what he's saying, though, is there's, there's divine opportunity. There's, there's times and seasons for certain opportunities. And if you don't take that, it's just gone then, right? You've got to make hay while the sun is shining because eventually it's going to rain. You leave the hay on the ground long enough, you're not going to be able to make hay. It's going to spoil. It's going to ruin. Well, you have opportunities. And I want you to be a faithful ambassador of Christ when you have those opportunities. Okay? Let's get into some of that. <coughs> Sorry. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, which shows us truth. I thank you for this season of the year where we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the God-man. Where we celebrate the coming of God to the earth, taking on human flesh, living a perfect life, and then spilling his own perfect blood to save his people from their sins. God, I ask we would be reminded today that we are indeed ambassadors for you, for your word and for your truth. Remind us, Lord, that you've entrusted us with the most important and amazing message in all of eternity. Let us not waste this time of year. Let us not busy ourselves with so many trappings of the season that we forget it's about you. Give us those golden opportunities to speak your truth and speak your word. Let us seize those opportunities for your glory. You've said your word not return to you void, but it will accomplish what you've set it out to do. And we ask that you would not only open up doors for us to speak the truth, but give us grace and boldness. Give us the boldness to speak as you give us the opportunity. In short, Lord, let us be faithful ambassadors in this Christmas season. We thank you for it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, I want to show you something that's kind of tangential to this, and then we're going to get back to this. It'll bring us around, bring us around for a more direct landing, if that makes sense. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going. Ephesians chapter 4. I try to get back to here from time to time. Probably Ephesians. I don't know why, but it's probably become my favorite book in the Bible. I just spend a lot of time there. When I'm reading through the scripture, sometimes I'll, depending on what kind of reading plan I do that year, um, sometimes I'll get done with a book and I'm like, man, what am I going to do next? And I'll spend a little time in Ephesians before I go spend the time in the next book. Does that make sense? This seems to be the place I come back to. And the reason is because it's just so chock full of life. There's a lot of life in this little book. And here's what it says. Go with me to chapter 4. Chapter 4, Paul's giving practical advice on the Christian life. He starts out saying, you know, uh, walk worthy of your calling, right? You get down to verse 11, and he gives a few verses basically telling us this is how the church works, and this is how your, your pastors are to function, and this is how you're to function. Here's what it says. He himself, that's God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Or pastor slash teacher, if you will. And why did he do that? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Part of my job as a pastor is to see you equipped for the work of the ministry. Now listen. It's not to see you equipped for the work of my ministry. Does that make sense? 
Pastor Justin had some really good stuff that he said this morning. He was talking about parenting. And one of these things he said that's really tough for us as parents is we want our kids to be just like us. But that's not what God's made them for. He's given them specific gifts and, and uh, traits and personalities. And he wants them to be equipped for the work that God has set for them. And, and that can be tough for us. Well, we can do the same thing in Christendom, right? My job is not to make you a little Paul Wilson. Trust me, we don't need any more of that to start with. <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> Ask my wife. I, I said this, I've said this story a few different times to illustrate this. I, I have some serious character flaws. There are times where I will literally look at my wife and be like, I'm sorry for who I am. I am. There are things, I'm not kidding, there are things about me that I wish were not so. Like, I can be really forgetful. I hate that. I've done everything I can to try to alleviate that. Maybe I need to use a planner more. And if I have a, I've done it. I've, I've used, like, the little, you know, paper planner. I'm like, this is so great, except that I didn't forget where I put the planner. Well, it doesn't help you then. Well, I'll just put it into my phone. So I'll put it into my phone, and then I'll forget about it. Literally, the alarm goes off, right? Like, today you have this meeting. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Twelve hours ago. That's not as awesome. I hate it. I've told this story. I'll give you another I'll give you a story so you can ridicule me. But I was on the way to school a few years ago. I had that little Jeep at the time, and I got a flat tire on the way to school. And so Coach Blackburn's house is on the way to school for me. So I just like, I kind of pull in here to Coach's house. I'm like, you know what? He's a buddy. He's a friend. He won't mind. I'll pull over here on the side. And I call up Mr. Wright. I'm like, hey, I got a bad, I got a bad, you know, got a bad deal here. I got a flat tire. Is there any way I can get you to come pick me up? Because, you know, classes are going to start in whatever, you know. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come over. So he comes, we don't have enough time to change the tire before school starts, right? Because my, my class is going to be there. We're just gonna, he's just going to have to pick me up. We'll go back to school. So he comes, picks me up, go back to school, teach all day, get done with school, get done teaching. And I'm like, man, I can't find my keys. We've got to go back and change this tire. And I cannot find my Jeep keys. I mean, I looked everywhere. I looked through my, my, you know, my whole desk, which, trust me, looking through my desk takes some time. I did. I, I have my school key. I cannot find my Jeep keys. And so finally Justin's like, well, look, let's just go change the tire. We can get that done, and then we can go find your keys. And I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. We get back to, his, to the Coach Blackburn's house at like whatever time this is now, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, there's my keys in the Jeep that's still running with the doors unlocked. Eight hours. Burn like half a tank of gas as it's sitting there all day long. <clears throat> My wife's constantly amazed. She's like, you can remember this little minutia detail from a book you read 30 years ago. And you can't remember to shut the car off. I, I know. I, I, too, am flabbergasted and disgusted at myself. But here I am. Right. There's times where I will think, hey, I'm only going to go inside for five. I should know better than this. Right? I'm only going to go inside for five minutes. I'll just leave it running. Okay. 
let me tell you this. I did this a few, uh, maybe three weeks ago now. I knew, hey, I've still got work to do up at the school. It's very common for me to come home and, you know, I'll help the kids get around for bed and everybody goes to bed and I'll go back up at the school for two or three hours. Because I have a better, better internet connection up there. If I do it at home, it takes me five hours to do what I can get done at two hours up there. So in my mind, hey, I'm only going to be inside putting the kids down for like 15, 20 minutes. Just leave the car on. Forget about it. But in the middle of all of this, I'm like, you know, I'll just go to bed. I'll just get up early tomorrow. And when I got up early tomorrow and went outside, I realized, hmm, car's been running all night. Door was open, too. So that's good. <laughs> say that and say this. Listen, my job is not to equip you to be another me. Please don't be. <laughs> the Lord uses me in his own personal way. Sometimes it's just to be an example, like don't do it this way. <laughs> but, no, our job as pastors, our, part of our jobs as pastors is to help equip you for the work that God's called you to do. He has not called me to that same work. Now listen, I will walk hand in hand with you. I will walk shoulder to shoulder with you as you're going through whatever it is you're going through. But the truth of the matter is you're the, the, what it looks like, the ministry that God has called you to is not the same ministry that God's called me to. I'm not trying to make you a little Paul. I'm trying to help you be more like a little Jesus. You see where I'm going with this? Justin brought that out this morning. I thought it was... Fantastic. It hurts as a parent. It hurts, right? It's true. Okay, so this is what he says. He himself, God himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The work of your ministry. No matter what else you do for the Lord, if you become a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or whatever else you do for the Lord, your first and foremost ministry is that of reconciliation. That's your ministry. Everything else you do for the Lord will actually come out of that. As you're faithful with that, oh, the Lord is entrusted with me. He's entrusted to me the ministry of reconciliation. What does that look like? It looks like sharing the gospel. That's what it looks like. It looks like sharing the gospel and then teaching people how to walk. If Sharing the gospel, in the process of doing that, some people are going to get born again. God is going to work in them. He's going to draw them to himself. And all of a sudden, you've got little disciples, baby Christians, if you will. Well, then what? Well, then my job is to show, okay, now that you've accepted the gospel, this changes the way that you live. And let's walk through that. What does that look like? Because of, what, what does the way you live look like because of Christ? That doesn't mean that their life is going to look exactly like mine. It won't. They're different people than me. They have different experiences than me. They have different groups that they're involved in. They have different talents that they have. It's not going to look just like me. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm just going to say it. There are people like, I was thinking about the Jollies do a lot of 4-H stuff. I'm told they can do all kinds of things and make all kinds of stuff. Jellies, jams, all that stuff. Canning. I tried some of that. 
I, I didn't know how to do canning, so I knew, I knew I needed to learn. And so I call up my grandma. She's like, you bet, come up. We'll, I'll, I'll teach you. It's really easy. She did it for years and years and years. And so we were going to go up and see my grandma. And like three or four weeks after we had that conversation, she passed away. So I was like, I'm still going to learn somehow, right? <clears throat> I got to have a way to be able to practice. So I go to the store and I get a bunch of hot dogs. <laughs> And I just practice canning them. And then I'm like, I've got all these like jars of hot dogs in water that's disgusting. Like, what are you going to do with them? Me? I just put these on the shelf. I'll use them for something. Okay, when we left that house, my friends come over, Justin being one of them, this poor guy. <clears throat> We're moving. He's like, he comes out of the back room like, what do you have this for? <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know. I just, I don't know, man. It's like, why are you saving hot dogs? I was trying to learn how to can. Are we really going to have to move these? I'm sorry, dude. The best I can do for you is if you're, and my friend, at least I'll have some good stories when you're done. Oh, sorry. No, you, you have different talent. If you can can, you got a talent better than me, okay? You have different gifts and talents. And my job is to help you be better in those situations. When I say better, I mean more like Christ. More bold for Christ. Have, have a uh, personality or a, a conviction, a, a mannerism that's more like Christ. equipping the saints, that's you, for the work of the ministry. Why should we equip you for the work of the ministry? The very next part, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means to build up. Why? Why do we need to build up the body of Christ? Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness in Christ. Here it is. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know what we have a lot of in the church in America today? We have a lot of that. We have a lot of children. Doctrinally, they are children. They may say they've been a Christian for 40 years, but they've, they don't know the scripture well. They don't know doctrine well. And because of that, they're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, every new thing that comes along. How do I know? I was a pastor in one of those places, man. Every new cool thing that came out of wherever, Bethel or wherever it was, that's the thing we got to be doing. Now, I know people in churches who would say they're Christian, and they're literally using tarot cards. No, but they're Christian. These are Christian ones. (laughs) No, son, they're not. I don't care what picture they have on the front of them or how they're marketed. They're not. But you see, they don't know that. Why do they not know that? Because where they have been, the people behind the pulpit, number one, probably weren't actually pastors to start with. They were not equipping them for the work of ministry. And because of that, they did not edify the body of Christ. And because of that, those people did not grow up the way they were supposed to. We have a very strange, I mean, if it was physical, you would think something's wrong. If you came to my house and my six-year-old son was there, okay, and Jericho's there, and you come and you, you wrestle around with him, right, and you go, hey, Jericho, how tall are you, right? And he's like four foot tall or something. 
And you come to my house again five years later, and here's Jericho, and he's the same size that he was when you left. What would you think? You wouldn't even know what was going on, but you'd be like, something's not right. Something's wrong with that guy. Something's wrong with that kid. Why? He's not growing up. He's supposed to be growing up. Right? Look at him. He eats and eats and eats and consumes. You have a Christian that they go service after service, or they go to church and they consume and consume and consume, but they don't grow up? Is there a person out there that can do that? A six-year-old that comes to the table, they eat everything that's not bolted down, but they don't grow? And put your hand down, Owen. I've seen you eat and you grow. He does eat a lot. But you grow, too. You ain't the same size you were two years ago, buddy. I know, because we were doing some judo. No, you would know something's wrong. Well, listen, I'm saying to you something's wrong. Something's wrong in America because we have a whole lot of people who consume and consume and consume, and yet they don't grow up. And I think part of that is that those people at the front, those people in that church who are charged with equipping the saints for the work of ministry, instead would rather entertain the saints. You know why? Well, for the work of their popularity. You can be really popular if you're a good entertainer. Sometimes when you're edifying saints, it will make you unpopular. You ever said something to somebody that they did not want to hear, but it was true? Listen, there are people who are very godly, and you say that to them, and they they go, Yeah, you're right. I, I, I need to. That's good. That's probably not the typical response, okay? Let's just be honest. And it's probably not the typical response from us. People can say things of you that are very true, but they hurt. And because it hurts, you defend yourself. In a sense, you're a wounded animal, right? Don't do that to me. But that's part of growing. That's what we should be doing. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, that is to say the growing up, the building up of the body of Christ. And in that vein, that's what I want to kind of shift now, segue and talk about with you. You are going to have conversations this week and next week that I cannot be a part of. I'm not around. They're your ministry. Take them seriously as if they were your ministry. Remember that you've been entrusted with a ministry and view it as if you have. I wonder what we would do with those conversations and those interactions if we really remembered Jesus Christ has sent me on this mission. You know, if if we had seen him with our own eyes, if you had come to church today and instead of me, Jesus Christ was here actually preaching the sermon. And he said to you, I've made you an ambassador for me. I've entrusted to you a ministry of reconciliation. Now I want you to go, therefore, knowing that and be faithful to that. I wonder what it would look like for you. See, the truth is that's what's happened. Christ has given us his word. This is every bit as strong, stable, and unflinching as if he were standing here bodily in front of us and saying, I've equipped you, I've given you this ministry, I've called you to this, I've entrusted to you this ministry of reconciliation. Now, go, go be faithful. 
I'm not saying it has to be big results. I'm not saying you have to go home and you have all these conversations and oh, all these people, you know, all these people just fall down on their knees and they cry and beg for forgiveness. That's probably not going to happen. I mean, I, I guess maybe in the realm of possibilities, it's out there somewhere. But the truth of the matter is, typically, when people get born again, when they come to the Lord, it's a process. It's not just a one-time thing. It's little conversations here and there. It's three minutes here. It's five minutes there. The great thing is we live in a society, this is the bad thing too, we live in a society that's ultimately connected, very, very connected to each other. Probably there are very few people that you're going to see this week even strangers that you couldn't have a conversation with again if you didn't want to. You know why? They have a phone number. They have Facebook. They have Instagram. They have Twitter. They have whatever. They have 100,000 ways to get in touch with them. So you don't even have to, you don't even have, to have the full-on conversation. You just got to start it. You just got to have the boldness to just ask. Just start this thing. Just get the door open. You can always follow up later. Listen, that, that's happened to me a few times. I've got a, a brother-in-law that's, when, when my wife and I got married, man, he was, he was kind of living la vida loco. You know what I'm talking about? Living the crazy life. And we just had some conversations here and there. Nothing big, no big conversations, just little conversations here and there, just asking questions. Hey, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts on that? Well, pretty soon, pretty soon, within four or five years, I guess, we start having kind of text conversations, messaging conversations back and forth. And it's been really neat to see that guy. I mean, I don't know exactly what's happened with him, but I know he's had some kind of spiritual experience with the Lord. I know, I know he's, his life has changed. Uh, he asks really thoughtful, theological questions at times. That did not come because I sat him down one time and we had a two-hour-long discussion on theology. Right? It's just because you're willing to open the door. Keep the door open. Let's have this conversation. That's all you've got to do. Have the grace and the boldness to start the conversation. You don't have to finish it all there. I mean, if they give you the opportunity to, great. But most of the time, it's not going to happen that way. But you can follow up. So do. You're being fit for ministry. You have a ministry. Please don't tell me, well, I'm a simple layman. I'm not really a minister. Oh, contraire, my friend. You are. You are. That's one thing that the little Methodist church I grew up in got right. You'd come in every time. They'd have the little bulletin printed, right? And it would say, this is who's leading the songs. And this is who's leading the scripture reading. And this is who's, do-. you know, it's very Methodist. Very old school Methodist, I should say, which is to say methodical. Right? It's everything's thought out, printed up beforehand, all that good stuff. And at the bottom, it would say ministers, all of us. Well, they got that right. You are a minister. The question is not whether you're a minister. The question is, will you be faithful in your ministry? Will you be faithful in your ministry? All right? Turn with me. Let's get into this. Let's get you equipped for the work of ministry. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some of you know. You know where I'm going already. You betcha. Like, I know where he's going. He's going to talk about us being ambassadors. Oh, you are not wrong. You are an ambassador of Christ. 
I want to say this about Christmas. Listen, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is certainly worthy of remembrance and celebration. And we make the, we, we say this, we make the distinction and say, yeah, that's what we celebrate and remember every Sunday. That's not really true. We celebrate Christ every Sunday. We celebrate what he's done for us. But we don't talk about the incarnation every Sunday. We don't. In fact, a lot of times it kind of gets overshadowed by his sacrificial death on the cross. And I'm not saying that that's wrong to talk about the Christ's death on the cross, obviously. But what an incredible opportunity that there's an entire culture who's willing to celebrate the incarnation. Don't waste that opportunity. Within this next week, many of you, I will too, many of you will make road trips. You'll gather with family and friends that you haven't seen for quite some time, maybe years. You'll attend maybe a multitude of Christmas parties or Christmas gatherings. Sing and hear countless Christmas songs, I'm sure. You'll have meals. You'll have conversations. You'll find trappings of the Christmas season, if you will, everywhere. And I'm going to kind of give a little bit of an apology. I know that today is a little bit of an apologetic for Christmas of sorts. I know some of us get our feathers ruffled about Christmas, and I can be one of them, okay? I get really tired of the commercialization of Christmas, of how Christmas, by some corporations, they want to make Christmas about anything that has nothing to do with Jesus because they're scared. Jesus will be just, it's a a bit too far, and it might cost them dollars. But the truth of the matter is, You can be really disgusted by the commercialization of it all, and I have been. But it's a short-sighted approach, I think, to get really disgusted by the commercialization of it all and not take the opportunities that are there aplenty. Does that make sense? You can be disgusted by Christmas and still talk about Jesus. So if you are, then do. Okay? I think we should look at Christmas as a blessing, and I I know that's the argument that I'm making today, because it's an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. Be faithful with those opportunities. When you have chance to share the gospel, especially with someone that you know doesn't know the Lord, heaven's sakes, take that chance. (laughs) A decade ago now, I guess before I was... Reformed, I was probably much more inclined to this um, kind of argument. But I've heard the argument, well, you've got to be careful the way you share the gospel because you don't want to drive anybody away, you know. And if you get them too offended or, you know, if you talk about this thing you know, too much or what, you might drive them away. Where are you going to drive them away to? They're headed to an eternal hell. You think they're, they're going to get mad and go to hell number two? No. you're Okay, so then get that out of your mind. Now listen, I'm not saying to be a jerk about it, obviously. Okay? If you need help with this, Blake has written an entire book on this one thing. Share the gospel. I'm giving a summation. You ready? Here it is. Concise summation, Blake's book. Share the gospel without being a jerk. The gospel is offensive as... Enough as it is, you don't need to be even more offensive by the way that you, I, I get that. Yes, absolutely. But, and here's the, other, here's the other side of that same coin. Still share the gospel. 
What if they think, what if they're going to think I'm a jerk because, you know, everybody's talking about X, Y, Z and I, you know, insert the gospel here. Who cares? They'll get over it. They'll forget about it later. You may not see them again for another year. You know what I'm saying? My dad used to say it this way. They'll get happy in the same pants they're mad in. It's all right. It may be a little bit awkward, but Christ is worth it. I'm not, I'm not saying try to be offensive. I'm saying share the gospel, even if some people are not comfortable with that. There's no sinner that's going to be comfortable with you sharing the gospel. It's not going to happen. Okay, well then, you're still going to need to share it. That's your job. That's the ministry he's entrusted to you. Your job is to get that gospel out there anyway. I'm going to try to do it in an unoffensive manner as possible. But there's going to be some offending because the gospel is offensive. The gospel tells you that you're a sinner. That's offensive. But the gospel also tells you there's a God who died for you for that. All right. Let's get into this. Second Corinthians five seventeen twenty one, seventeen through twenty one. Basically, we start at seventeen. We'll go through the end of the chapter. I would love to take. I'd love to just be able to just exposit this whole chapter. There's so. There's just so much here. It's one of my favorite places. One of my favorite books too. But here's what we'll have to do. Let's. In fact, let's back up. 14, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. What would compel you to share the gospel with somebody, even if you knew they might be offended at it? The love of Christ. You have to love Christ more than you love you. You know what will keep you from sharing the gospel? Loving yourself more than Jesus. Because then I don't share the gospel because then I don't have to worry about the awkwardness. I don't have to worry about what people will think of me. Well, all of that just comes from self-love. I want people to like me. And my popularity in this little group is really important to me. It's really important to me that all these people like me and they talk good about me when I'm not around. And so, you know what? It would just be too awkward. I'm not going to talk to them about Jesus. Okay, well, then let's just face this for what it is. You love yourself, at least in that moment, more than Christ. And I'm telling you, if that's you, and trust me, that's been me, you must repent of that. Just like I must repent of that. I must be willing to love Christ more than I love myself. Not as much as I love myself. More than I love myself. You understand where I'm going with this? Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us because we've judged thus. If one, that's him, Jesus, died for all, then all died. Okay. In other words, everyone's a sinner. They're all dead in trespass and sin. That's why he had to die for sinners. And he died for all, verse 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but that they should live for him who died for them and rose again. Okay. 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is really important. We regard no one according to the flesh. You know why this is important? It's a whole lot easier to share the gospel with those people that don't matter. 
As if somehow, because someone has a big title or a lot of money, they somehow matter more. And I shouldn't concern them or bother them with the gospel. You know, one of the things that I admire about the Apostle Paul so much, he does not care where he's going. He's going to tell people about Jesus. Dude, it's Caesar. You can't just talk to him like that. Yeah, I can. These are the people of Caesar's household. Don't you know if, if you talk to them about Jesus and they get upset, you could die? Do you know what kind of persecution this big wig who's so rich and famous and well-known, do you know what kind of persecution he can rain down on you if he gets offended at you? Maybe it's time for some bold Christianity once again. Maybe it's time for us to have enough boldness that we're willing to share the gospel with people who normally don't get it shared. Maybe it's time for us to regard no one according to the flesh and share the gospel with these people. It's very difficult. Here's another one. It's very difficult to share the gospel with your own parents or your own aunts and uncles, your own brothers and sisters. You know why? Because oftentimes we regard them according to the flesh. We remember the things that happened when we were growing up. We remember the things that happened in this family dynamic. And that's just not done this, this way in this house. Another thing that you talked about this morning that I really appreciated, by the way. It's like you're stealing my thunder for my message today. But I do like it. Well, okay, maybe it's not done in this house. But maybe it should be. Right? We literally, my, my wife and I had to have a conversation about, hey, if this happens over the... if. Here's, here's the conversation. If, if I go, if we go to Kansas and our family says, and this is very possible, our family says, hey, on Christmas, let's just all get together. There's no need to go to church. We're not going to that. We're going to church. Right? We have to have that conversation beforehand to say no. And, and, and maybe that will be something of a witness. Now, we're not going to try to be jerks about it. It may not even happen. But that's a very strong conviction that we have. Okay, then let's not regard anyone according to the flesh. Let's love them. Let's love Christ enough to do what's necessary, even if it's uncomfortable to us. We're not going to... Anyway, 16, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. 17, here it is. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the verse that almost every Christian knows and should know. This, is, this, this should be a memory verse, obviously. But can we catch the next few verses after it? They're kind of important too. Now all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only has he reconciled us to himself, he has then given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the opportunity to go and be a part of that in someone else's life too. This God who needs no one and needs nothing is pleased to utilize us in his ministry. We shouldn't be taking that for granted. That should be the forefront of our mind. It is an absolute joy, a pleasure, and... It's, it's a privilege to be able to just be a part of that. Don't take that for granted, Christian. 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 
not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's given it to us. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We implore you, as though God was pleading through us. Do we really take it that seriously? Do you realize that? When you're sharing this gospel with your friends, with your family, it's as though Christ himself is working through you and imploring to them, come be reconciled to God. Give voice to Christ. It's him who's working through you. Listen, it's not your words that are doing it. I thought that for years, and that was one of the things that made me so nervous to talk to people because I was, again, scared of running them off. And I know me. I know I can say the wrong... If, if I can say the wrong thing at the wrong time, I probably will. Right? The wrong thing at the wrong time will strike me as funny. I'm just going to ruin this thing. No. Jesus is working through you. It is Him that works in you both to will and do to His good pleasure. Question, do you really believe that? That's a rhetorical question. (laughs) Was that my child that said that? (laughs) Uh, This is how (laughs) devotionals go at my house at night. Do you really believe that? No. You don't? Yes. I do? Do you? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, here's my argument. My argument is this. I think sometimes we know this in our mind. We hear that stuff. But in the moment, it's hard to, like, comprehend that. Wait, Jesus is actually working through me? He's working through my words? I'm not a wordsmith. Jesus is working through my words? Yes, he is. He is so sovereign. You want to talk about an argument for sovereignty. Look, that Jesus can work through my words (laughs) to help someone else is an issue of sovereignty. Yes, he's so sovereign. He chooses. He's pleased to use you in his ministry of reconciliation. He's the only one who's so sovereign. The old saying is he can strike a straight blow with a bent stick. You're a bent stick. So am I. Or maybe even a broken stick would be a better analogy. But God is the one who's working. Your friend, if you, if you witness to your friend and they come to faith in Christ, it is not because of the wisdom of your words. It is not because of how wonderfully you thought this thing out. It is because Jesus Christ was at work. He was taking the words that you spoke The things that you're like, oh, that's the dumbest thing. I don't know why I said that. Probably faded from their memory anyway. But somewhere in there, God was working through you to get the words that were necessary, the gospel, the picture that was necessary to this person out. And he's then working in their heart to bring that to pass. No, God is working in you both to will and do to his good pleasure. You just have to be faithful. That's your part. What's your part? Just be faithful. But I'm not a good ambassador. Your job is not to be good. Your job is not to be wise. 
Your job is not your job is to be faithful. Why? Because Jesus Christ is all those things. He is good and true and holy and faithful and just. He's all of those and righteous. And it's he that's working through this. He is at work in you to will and do to your to his good pleasure. You just be faithful. Have faith that he will work through you. Have faith that he'll work through you and allow it. Give voice. Open your mouth and give voice to his truth. What's the toughest part of the ministry? What is the toughest part of the ministry of reconciliation? I'll try to close up quickly. For me, it's just getting this thing started. How do you get this conversation started? Once you're into it, no problem. Now, some of y'all, it might be the other way around. Some of y'all, it might be like getting the conversation started is no problem. But, man, once I get into it, I start fumbling for words. I'm not that guy. I can only tell you from my experience, it's just figuring out how to segue this conversation into Christ. Can I tell you one of the things that you can do with this? This is literally the reason. I, I have a huge paper. It's like 12 pages long of different Christmas traditions and where they came from. The Christmas traditions that have a, a Christian background, if you will. Because, man, it gives, me, it gives me an opportunity. When somebody's like, oh, man, that's a beautiful Christmas tree. Yeah, it really is. Hey, do you know where the Christmas tree came from? Because I'm that guy. That's, that works for me. Why do you put lights on a tree? Why do you put these red and silver balls on the tree? All that stuff. Let me give you a few of them. Because this is, I think, things you can use. Christmas hymns. Right? Oh, holy night. What was so holy about it? What's holy mean? What do you think? Why do we sing, oh, holy night? Because it wasn't a normal night. It was a night like none other. Why? Jesus Christ was born. Why is that such a big deal? Let's have that conversation, right? Here's another one. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. How does Jesus bring mankind goodness and light? Hey, have you ever thought about that? That might be kind of awkward for you to say that, but at least you're into it. Right? One awkward sentence and then you can get into it. Hey, see those red bulbs on the Christmas tree? You know where those are from? Do you know way back in the day they were actually red apples? You know why they were red apples? Even into the early 1900s. Because at one time in medieval Germany... December 24th was actually celebrated as Adam and Eve Day. Why? Because um, ministers thought, you know what the, the, the background that you need to understand Christmas is? You need to understand the fall of man. I think they're right. And so, the, December 24th was Adam and Eve Day. And basically, what would happen, they would actually have plays the whole nine yards. They, they wanted people to know about the fall of man. And this apple was supposed to remind you of the fruit that Eve ate and the fall of man and how that happened. Why? Because that's what makes it so important that Christ came. What makes the incarnation so important? It's not just that it's miraculous. It's that without sin, you don't need a Savior. But the problem is, sin is so pervasive, all mankind lies under its wrath. Ah, but there's good news. There's hope. Jesus Christ, the righteous, who came to save his people from his sins, from their sins. Jesus Christ did not have sins for people to be saved from. All right, Matthew is at 121. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Absolutely. 
Hey, you know why we put lights on the Christmas tree? Used to be candles, by the way. (laughs) On fir trees, which are loaded up with a resin that's very similar in chemical structure to uh, kerosene. We found out candles on fir trees when those fir trees are dead and because they've been cut and they're drying out and getting more uh, flammable. Not a good combination. Instead, we start putting LED lights on them. I think that's a good idea. Burn down less houses that way. Why do we put lights on the Christmas tree? Because that light symbolized Jesus bringing the light of salvation into the world. Those are conversations you can have. Those are segues you can make. And I think you should. All right? Read Luke 2. Start a new tradition. Tell your family that. Hey, you guys know me. Just, just own it. Here's what I say to my family. I'm weird. You all know that. I want to do something different this year. Right? I am the family black sheep. I am the weirdo. And I know that. And sometimes they'll, you know, because of that, they'll, you know, okay, well, we'll give him this so he doesn't make a bigger scene later. Okay? Let's calm him down here. Placate him. Okay, I want to do this. I want to, let's read Luke 2. I want to start a new Christmas tradition. I want to read Luke 2 because that's the Christmas narrative, if you will. The narrative of Christ, his incarnation, his birth. Read nine, Isaiah 9, 6, right? That's one verse. Hey, we're going to have family dinner. Hey, can, before we have family dinner, can I read one verse of scripture? Sure, okay, yeah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. I really want to preach a message on that and tie in Psalm 2, but I'm not going to do it today. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Yeah, Jesus is God in the flesh. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Read that. Why do you think he's called the Prince of Peace? You're in rebellion to him. You don't have peace. Why is he called Prince of Peace? Let him chew on it. That's, it takes that long. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close with this. Listen, I actually wanted to get into like who the real St. Nicholas was and give you that whole... You got Google. You can find that out. Kicked out of a council and thrown in jail for slapping somebody. My man. I had a friend send me a meme the other day, and it had a Santa Claus, a little kid sitting on Santa Claus' lap, and he says, Homoousius or Homoousius? And this is one of those theological jokes, right? The, the Santa Claus guy's like, what? The kid goes, you're not the real Santa. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Our Saint Nick would know that. That's my man. Yeah. You can look that stuff up, though. Utilize these things, okay? Even if you hate Christmas, utilize this time. You'll have opportunities that you don't normally have. And I'm asking you not to be good, not to be perfect, not to be great. I'm asking you just to be faithful. When God presents those opportunities, take them. Take them. Watch what the Lord will do. It's it's Him that's at work. It is He who is at work in you, both to will and do to His good pleasure. You'll have opportunities come up, and you'll know inside. You'll feel this unction, this urging, this pushing you forward. Say something. I don't know if I want to. Just say something. Because the Holy Spirit is moving you to take his gospel of reconciliation and be faithful with it. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your people. The people here, Lord, that are so willing to hold each other accountable to being faithful. They're so willing and eager to share your word. God, I ask you would just give us that, an eagerness, God. A bated breath that we are waiting for that opportunity with bated breath. That we're ready to segue into the gospel and to tell others about you. To give witness to you. Make those opportunities, Lord. And then I ask God, give us the grace that we need. The boldness that it takes just to step through those doors, Lord. To, to, to say what it is we can feel you moving us to say, Lord. To talk to them about you. To talk to them about Christ and the incarnation and salvation that can come only through him. Give us that, Lord. I don't ask that we would be great or well-known, but that we would be faithful. Let us be faithful ambassadors of yours, faithful ministries, faithful ministers of the ministry of reconciliation. Let us be faithful over this season. I thank you for it, Lord. I ask you to be with our people, Lord. I know many of them will be driving on the roads to and from everywhere. I ask you to be with them. Keep them safe, God. I know there's some nasty weather that's going to be coming our way this week. And, Lord, I ask you to be with us, be with your people, that whatever happens through all of that, God, that you would utilize all of that, Lord, to make opportunities and openings for us to share the gospel. Thank you for it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, if you Amen. Would...